How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I have got a very special guest for you all. Today, I'm joined by a coach with over 20 years experience of training. He started his journey at Westside Barbell under Louis Simmons. Today, I am joined by the one and only Greg Panora. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am not so bad. Thanks a lot for, for taking the time to jump on. Oh, absolutely. Love this. Yeah. Um, how are you? What what's been what have you been up to? What what's been happening in your world recently? Well, I guess the most important recent thing that's happened is um I started coaching yesterday a guy with a twenty four hundred pound raw total. So we're gonna shoot for the all time world record probably yeah. the next two or three years. So that's that's the biggest new thing that's happened. Um he's the third guy I've coached who's one thousand pounds, which is pretty neat. Um so we started his training yesterday. We're doing sort of a uh a modified conjugate program for him because I have to do a couple of weeks of normal training, then lead him into a peak. He's never peaked before. One right. of the things you find these guys at the very top is, and I was the same way, they have no idea what's going on. You know, <laughs> I, broke the world record. I broke the world record before I even knew what a, a weight a weight cut was. I, I waited at 234 for my first world record. The guy's like, Why don't you just cut weight? I'm like, I don't know what that means. He's like, Cut weight for the comp, way less or more. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Ah, cool. Well, yeah. with that, because obviously I did quite a quite a brief uh, introduction there, and you've kind of touched on, you know, um, a little bit in terms of your background into with powerlifting. There, for everyone listening who might not know your background, how you got involved in coaching, obviously your own career, if you like, um, just want to give a little bit of a background to yourself. Sure, absolutely. Um, I started. Most of you guys have heard me. I've heard of me if you have from West Side Barbell, the movie. So at Westside, I totaled 2630 uh, in multiplied gear. A few years later, I had a massive stroke. I lost, actually, had six strokes, if you want to break it down. And I lost all function on the right side. So I retired from lifting at that point. And I was told that probably wasn't yet better. I was going to be living in a nursing home for the rest of my life. And that was pretty shitty news. So I spent the next two years basically just depressed and, and doing whatever. And then one day, like, it just came back. Like, I was okay. It was like a cold, dude. I lost my cold, was gone. You know, I was, I was better. And so I kind of went back into it. I really had no idea that the sport had gone to completely raw lifting. I mean, I, I, had, no, I had not lifted, lifting weights in two or three years at that point. And so when I started looking it back up, the entire sport went raw. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that. So I had a couple of good years at raw. I totaled 2,000 pounds my first raw comp. Uh, and then a few years later, the 2102 in, in these sleeves. I wanted to put up something that was decent. I, I actually had a shot at the world record. Um, I cut down from 275 to 242. And I completely effed up my squats that day, so I didn't get it. But I, I think had I had my squats gone gone well or what I had planned out, it would have been the world record 242 and raw too. I want to be the first guy to have you know, the raw total record in gear and raw. And I get real close, but it didn't quite happen. Um, then I went to single ply for a little while. I did 2335 in that. So I've been pretty world-class in all kinds of powerlifting. Um, and it's really all the same. The, the way to train, the way you compete's a little bit different. But it's really all the same. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. And how did you kind of gravitate in towards uh you know coaching um was that something that you always wanted to do or what was the, what was no, the plan there? no <laughs> like the least the least thing I, I wanted to do you know i really had no plan past being 25 years old and breaking world records you know what i mean like <laughs> i had never thought that would end for some reason in my head i, I never thought getting old but it does happen to get old uh and so i turned 40 and i was like you know what I'd like to start making like some real money off the sport. I've been involved in it for 30 years now. It's time to, you know, it's time to do something else. And Louis Simmons had, had told me one time at breakfast, he's like, you need to coach. He's like, you're one of the few people I've ever met who actually understands this, you know? <clears throat> and 
he's like, you know, he's like, you need to coach this. And I promised him I would. So that's what I'm doing. Ah, oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. And, with, and with that, because, you know, you said there, you know, about a weight, weight cut, not knowing what that what that was at one point. How was kind of, well, kind of two parts of that. How did you uh, kind of develop your understanding a little bit more of it and refine it a little bit so then you can then pass that knowledge on to, you know, the athletes and clients that you work with? But then also, who were kind of your biggest influences, whether it be coaches so, that you had or training partners? So those questions kind of go together. So. Yeah. I started coaching. I was actually passing through uh, Southern Maine, basically. I, I was on my way out. I, I had no idea where I was going. So after the stroke, I kind of lost I lost focus on anything. I was kind of driving around, looking for somewhere to live, trying to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And so I passed. I was passing through Southern Maine, and uh, they asked me to do a seminar at the gym. at this CrossFit. And I was like, yeah, what the hell, why not? So I stopped by the CrossFit, and I was friends with the old, old owner of the gym. So he's like, yeah, let's go grab some beers afterwards. I was like, yeah, sounds great. So I came into the seminar, it went awesome. And he's like, do you want a job? And I was like, I'm kind of just passing through, man. I'm not planning on saying. And he's like, well, if you want a job, man, you know, you can do a class here, do two, three classes, whatever you want, you know, teach these guys how to do West Side. And so for about three months, I was doing that. And it wasn't going well at all. It was every, every you know, basically what I was having to do was the same thing I did, what worked for me, you know, assuming they could do it. And everybody was getting hurt. And right at the same time, Sweet and Sweet Burns and Brandon Lilly were doing seminars. So they were like, hey, do you want to come start doing seminars with us? So I was like, sure. So I sat through like one of Sweet's seminars and I was like, I don't know shit. I know nothing. And so I basically started following him around for about the next three, four, or five years. We did 150 seminars together and wow. man, I learned everything. So Sweet was kind of my Louis Simmons for all of it, you know, yeah. the same thing. You know, it's an incredibly smart guy who believes in you. It's all he needs. Somebody smart who believes in you. You'd be successful. Ah, nice. And how did you, because with that as well, uh, with the court sort of going from a, a quick to, to raw, um, mm -hmm. and you said there that, you know, there might be a little bit of um, a difference in terms of, in terms of training, but it's all, it's yep. all, all still lifting. How did yep. you kind of bridge that gap? Take what you knew from raw, uh, take what you knew from equipped and put it into raw and, you know, find oh. that balance. The big difference between raw and gear lifting is in gear, you can't really do volume. You know, that's why Kanji and Westside makes so much sense because you only really do a maximal single. You can't just walk in the gym and bench press, squat, and deadlift a maximal single every week. You make progress. So Louis found a way in switching movements. But when we went, when, when I went raw, we were doing the same movement every every session. We were always starting out with a squat, bench, or deadlift. And we were doing it, you know, five pounds a week, just basic, simple periodization. And it worked out beautifully. And so that's how I run my team now. With some, There's definitely some West Side stuff in there. Yeah. Um, but it's it just regular periodization. I don't talk much about my programming because it's really kind of boring. But it produces champions, so I'm down with boring if I produce champions. Yeah, absolutely. And is that because you're touching on the, on the programming side of things – because I think everyone can look for that uh, that secret sauce. You know, somebody yeah. must be thinking, especially yeah, yeah. beginners, because for powerlifting, you know, that's blowing up as a, a as a sport right now. Right. And a lot of people uh, might think that, oh, maybe these lifters aren't showing everything that they're doing. You know, have they got a magic <laughs> formula? Whereas, how how was kind of your approach to that when you when you're maybe taking on beginners or people who are just getting involved in lifting? Honestly, I really wanted to coach beginners. Like that's what I sought out to do. Really older people. I was having a lot of making a lot of progress in my CrossFit. You know, working with guys that are like fifty five years old. You know, I had a fifty five year old guy benching like four hundred pounds in here who had never lifted weights before. And so, and so, 
the goal was a, a businessman I was coaching was like, Hey man, you need to put this stuff online. I found you a, a site, blah, blah, train heroics. And I was like, sure. And so I started running that and no beginners signed up. Everybody that signed up was a badass. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? we're just going to run it the same way we did it otherwise and see what happens. And man, it worked out beautifully. I've coached pretty much every 2000 pound total in, in Maine, um, you know, a bunch of mass New Hampshire to Connecticut. Uh, I have people all over the fucking world. So it works beautifully. Yeah, nice. Beautifully. And with, and with that sort of, you know, how have you have you refined that over over time and made tweaks and oh, make yeah. just not oh, yeah. 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 What's, it's what's... simpler over time. So our programming went from being somewhat complex into being over the course of 10 years, you know, becoming really, really, really simple. And that was like the most simple programming you can imagine. But it works, it works so well. A few months ago, I put a I put a post on my on my team page, and I was like, "Hey guys, do you guys want some changes? I, I can I can throw you guys some different you know different movements and stuff because we've been running the same thing now for ten years, and everybody on the team was like, no, nah, it's good. Keep it like this. It works perfectly.' So I didn't change anything. Why Why do you think? Because you know you've said there you, you kind of record speaks for itself in terms of the people that you've mm-hmm. coached and trained. Why mm-hmm. do you think it is successful? Because you know, strength is a skill. You know, I know you talk a lot about, you know, technique and, yep. you know, focusing on yep. those kind of things. How do you kind of drill that down yep. into the lifters or is it the structure of the program? Does that kind of make sense? So one thing I wanted in my program, the most important part of it, and the reason that people stick around is for the same reason people stick around with Westside, because it, it allows you to be competitive within a small group of people. So my team, everybody on my team competes. So we do AMRAPs or AFSAPs, AFSAPs I've created, AFSAPs are as few sets as possible. So I'll give the people, say, a four by one as a primer, so four sets of one, and then say 80% for 15 reps in as few sets as possible. So what my team does is I'll start calling each other out. Hey, I did this many. How many did you do? I can do this. Right. You know, and they start they start talking and competing. And that was really the secret to Westside and the secret to my team is that, is that everyone's competing every day, you know? And so by the time you get a competition, it's second nature. Yeah. Do you think I that's why? Think, I think one of the biggest things. Yeah, sorry. No, sorry. Yeah. With that, um, with that, do you think that's why, um, you know, you were so successful and what you've tried to instill yeah. in the people that you're training as well, having that competitiveness? Yeah. Because, you know, you, when you get to competition, yeah, ob- yeah, obviously when you get to competition, yeah, there's loads, loads of things from there, but being able to build that up. Yes, 100%. The base, then that is the biggest thing at Westside is that you're competing with guys on your level every day guys that are better than you every day you know what i mean it's day after day so by the time you get to a competition it's easy like people would always make fun of me because i'd be in the pool you know, before the competition in the hotel i'd be in the pool you know i have a martini next to me just you know whatever this is easy this is training's hard this is easy this is fun you know so i think that is the biggest thing i got from west side and that i brought in my own training was that that competitiveness every day and with that because with the um, with your experience, there's obviously, you know, challenges that you would have had and, and pros and cons from, you know, and things that went really well and things that didn't go so well. Do you find that, you know, you can relate to uh, a lot more lifters in terms of things that are going when things are going really well, but equally when they may be struggling with things? Do you find that, you know, that's quite beneficial from from your experience? Uh, I don't, <laughs> I'll be straight up, but this is going to sound really bad. I find myself so far away from the way that most lifters think. I, I never thought like that. 
for me, lifting weights was a sport just like football had been, wrestling had been, you know, throwing a shop what had been in high school and then moved on to powerlifting. So I treated it the same way, you know what I mean? I just did the exact same thing. And so I find that most people aren't competing for the same reason I was competing for. And the reason I would compete is, is very simple. I wanted to win best lifter at every contest I did. That, that was the goal, win best lifter. The same thing I did at Westside. I didn't care about totals. I didn't care about even about PRing. I just want to win that day. And that, that's, that for me was the focus of powerlifting. So I try to coach that and teach that, but it's a hard message to get through. So I find myself kind of, I was a beginner lifter, you know, at 13 years old. That was, that was 30 years ago. So I have a hard time, you know, whatever with those, those, those lifters like that. I have a really hard time with goals. I, I hate, I shouldn't say I hate it, but when people start setting goals, it's like the problem with goals and powerlifting is, it's probably not going to happen. I, I've heard, in my, in my last 10 years, I've heard probably 30, maybe 40 people tell me they're going to break the world record. Not one person has ever done it. And most of those people, if not all of them, really didn't even chase it. They just kind of said it and kind of you know, went off to their own lives and didn't really do anything to get there. So I, I kind of find myself I kind of not really being able to match up with that kind of mindset. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to fucking do it. You know. Right. So when people tell me to do something and don't do it, I have a hard time with that. All right, so so with that, how do you? Because when you said there, like you know, with with goals and your own record, how did you approach your training? Was it just you know, like to be best lifter on, on the day? Was it just a case of getting the most out of each session and, and planning and prepping, or what was kind of the approach from that? I just want I want to win everything. You know what I mean? I just want to win everything always. <laughs> it was that simple. If you always win, you never lose to get to where you want to be. You know, and for me, it was that simple. Just win the contest, win the training session that day. You know, make somebody buy you lunch afterwards. Like for me, it was it was that simple. I was having fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you find that too. Like the middle range lifters, the guys that are always stressed out, the guys at the top, the guys over the west side, we're never stressed out. We're always having fun. You know, we at me joking around, having a good time, drinking beers sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't serious. You know, and I think that's why we're so good. Do you think sometimes because everyone gets involved in lifting or training? Mm -hmm because they enjoy it, you know, you end up, you know, you, you want to go there and you keep going back for it. Obviously, comp competitions come along. But do you think where, like what you mentioned about some people saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, actually take it too seriously and end up actually hindering the progress yeah. rather than actually progressing? Yes. The, the problem, if, if you can take it that seriously for 20 years, you'll probably attain it. The problem is, the problem I see with goals too is, is it's a goal alongside of five, six, seven, eight other goals. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a world champion powerlifter. I'm gonna be a lawyer. I'm gonna be do this. I'm gonna do this. And it's like, unfortunately, if you really want to do this, this is probably the only thing you're gonna be good at. So the biggest thing I have the problem with goal setting is again, there's no planning behind it. And number two, it's just it's alongside of all these other ideas and goals and things because that's what we're kind of being taught now is that if we want to change our lives, we need to change everything about our lives. It just—I don't think it works that way. I think you got to focus on one thing and be really good at it to be good at it. And how did you kind of match your? Because you know, uh, over time, you know, nutrition has changed. You know, there's a lot more. I think we're in the age of like you can type in on Google now or Instagram or whatever, and you know, any anything will pop up from there. Yeah. So there's <laughs> a lot more information out there. That's a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more readily available. But it's yes. just filtering that information. So how did you change your nutrition or recovery or adjust and kind of develop with that as you, as you were lifting? So I didn't, honestly, I, I did the same 
thing. I've been doing the same thing since I was 13 years old. I eat basically the same diet. I train basically the same way. I, I get very good at this very quickly. I can bench, you know, I can bench this 405 at, at 15, 16 years old. I get done with 600 pounds at 17, 18 years old. I, I, I get good at it quickly. It was, it was, I don't want to say it was easy, but I found that if I stick to these habits, I can be good. And I really honestly just never changed them. I'm still eating the same way I was eating when I was 13 years old. I would bring, you know, Tupperware containers to school, protein shakers. And so when I was like 15 or 16, the athletic director at my high school was like, there's no way you're on a steroid. And I was like, I, I've never seen a steroid. I, I don't even really know what it is. And they were like, you got to come take a drug test every Sunday at school at 7 a.m. So I'd have to go drive. My mother would have to, and it was hard on license, I don't think. I would have to drive. My mother would have to drive me to school at 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, pee in a cup, give it to them, <laughs> and leave. And it, was, it was actually like three or four times. My mother's like, what is, what is happening here? This is insane. He has no money. He, he's, he's 50 years old. He's on steroids. And <laughs> That's not true. It's like no, how come no one else in the school is doing is this big? And I was like, because nobody else is willing to do what I'm willing to do. And that's really always been my game: is be the be the guy who's willing to do the things that nobody else is willing to do. And that's how I become at it, you know. <clears throat> yeah, definitely, because it's that thing of you know, like what you say when you're going to do something. There's got to be um, that routine, like what you say, yeah. finding those habits that that, that, that work for you. That is it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think a lot of people, um, you know, can do it for a certain amount of time and then, right, right. And, and, then and then drop off. What's kind of kept you going with that and kept you, you know, knowing that it is it just because it works and you've got results from it? So, I, honestly, I am diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, so okay. OCD. So, so I love it. I love. I love. <laughs> And rules and things, you know what I mean. I I I survived so well under under like under like that kind of lifestyle, so it made perfect sense for me. And I like I like looking good. I like you know I like having muscles, and, and for me it's that important. Like I am I am unwilling to trade anything for it. So if I have to eat seven or eight times a day, I'm completely willing to do it. It's fine. I don't mind doing it. I've been doing it for so long. I don't, I don't, honestly don't really know any other way to live. It's just what I've always done. Yeah. So at this point, it seems like second nature. You know, it's not not hard. It's not. It's, it's what it is. And I spend, I've got the food. I have to eat. I generally, for me, have to eat way more food than anyone else does. Like when I was at Westside, I was eating way more food than the super heavyweights were. Because for me, it's so hard to get big. I'm from a very small, my my mom and my dad are both tall and skinny. They're both six feet tall, six feet plus. You know, my mom's like 130 pounds, my dad's like 160. You know, the runners. And so... I, I think that for me, I need to see to eat way more food than anybody else. I'm not gonna get fat, so this is what it is, and I'll get kind of fat, but not just too fat. Yeah, yeah. And with that, because you know, when it I am just touching on kind of uh, developing strength and you know building building size. Obviously, there's training parts of that, and people will think, yeah, you know, I'm gonna train hard in the gym. I'm gonna you know try and win that session if you like. Yeah. When it yeah. comes to the to the food side of things. Do you think that people or some lifters are just not eating enough and just you know willing to do yep. that a little bit? Because yep. when you're to get bigger, you need to eat a little bit more, and it's not always <laughs> enjoyable all the time. <laughs> Usually, it's horrible. Everybody's always like, "Man, I wish I could do your diet." Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You get to eat cookies, yes, but I had a pound of steak and a pound of fucking rice before that. It's it's the fifth time I've done it today. Trust me, it's not fun anymore. It was fun when I was thirteen years old. I could eat extra fucking tuna fish or whatever. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> this is brutal. <laughs> so, but for me, what I did on my team was that I, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with nutrition and eating. I'm not. I'm not. 
I'm not a, a professional at that. So what I do is hire a nutritionist, Jay Ashman. And he does all the nutrition for the team. So it works out perfectly. I don't even think about it. So I, I'm very, I'm very, very, very involved with the fact that my team is eating a lot. But as far as what they're doing, he's he's in charge of all that. He takes care of all that for us. So he does a great job of it. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, okay. that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I got to plug my phone in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. I have a phone from like 1997. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a good point because you know, um, you know, nutrition is is a big part of of training, huge, especially huge. you know whether it's uh, performance, recovery, or getting bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 for it's for all three. Huge. With that, because and obviously, I'm talking about you know everybody wants a a bigger squat, a bigger bench, bigger a bigger deadlift. Um, and being able to work on on the technique side of things with the um the the level of athlete or client that you're working with how much is kind of refining technique what takes somebody from being a, a, good, a good lifter to a great lifter yeah so uh, technique is, is is paramount to anything else in the sport like every sport is what i always tell people is think about it which is what you're saying think about it in context of other sports all right would you ever say that 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 Swing a baseball bat, technique is not important. No, of course not. It's the most important thing. So for us, it's everything. Now, everyone on my team is taught to lift weights the exact same way. There's no they're taught the same, the same, the same setup, the same move, and taught to move the same. And for like 90% of my team, that's enough. Uh for a few people, maybe a little bit more. And the individual coaching, I also I also employ two physical therapists on my team to work mobility stuff and movement. So um, you know, for most people, though, all they need is, is those few cues to to learn how to set up and, and and you know, understand where the body is before they start to lift. And if you do that, it's, it's usually enough. But as far as as far as you know, getting to the top, yeah, I mean, definitely gonna have to you know work on techniques. Sounds be perfect. But on top of that, it's really gonna be about your your mindset. You know, you know what's going on in your life. The biggest, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest. Uh, what am I looking for for a word? The biggest pitfall, I guess, is, is time. Is that this is gonna take 10, 15, 20 years? And so that's the hardest part is that you have to keep doing this over and over again. You know, starting out, out down here and sucking at first. Everyone's going to fucking suck at first. They're not good at sports when you first start them out. So it's going to take 10 years before you're really at that level. And that's the problem. You know, in that time, like, I always tell people, oh, you think you're going to get big and jacked up and not not, be, not get a girl pregnant? Because you're going to. You know, all these guys get big and jacked and look good. And so at the bar on Saturday, hey, nice meeting girls. And I was too, so I can't say anything. But, but like, you, you're going to knock up a girl. You're going to get her pregnant. Your career's going to be over. You know, there's so many little things. And most of them are good. They're not bad things. Like, you're going to join the Army. You're going you're gonna to go off to college. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Start a new job. But there's going to be so many things on the way to the top of this that are going to absolutely destroy you. What I did was just, I, I had a very easy answer to that. I gave myself 10 years. I had a 10-year period of time from 20 to 30 years old where I said, all I'm going to do is powerlift. I'm not going to be focused on anything else but powerlifting. I got my college degree, too, because I needed a backup plan. So, But while I was in college, I mean, honestly, I thought I was powerlifting. I did the minimal amount of work to get by. I did a graduate teaching degree. But, you know, you're going to have to make it your entire life. It's going to have to be what you're thinking about when you wake up in the morning and what you're thinking about before you go to bed. And that's the biggest trick is, is, is getting around those 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 traps that are going to destroy your career. And that's the hardest part. And they're not all bad. Most of them, in fact, aren't bad. There's injuries, of course, suck. But, you know, things like getting your own pregnant, getting married, getting a new job. But, you know, stuff like that is going to absolutely interfere. You know, doing anything else, doing any other sport is going to interfere. Yeah. Do you think that's why sometimes 
because especially sort of like younger lifters coming in, you know, spend it, they have a, a short burst of success, you know, yes. and you know, you can sometimes hear about like, you know, really big PB PBs. Whereas, yep. you know, as you start progressing, all of a sudden the PBs get smaller. Obviously, the, yes. weights, the weights are a lot more, but the PBs are smaller. Yeah. You think sometimes yep. that that's why people um, sort of like have a really short, successful period, but then yeah, absolutely. It because they dip in and out? Yep, absolutely. It gets hard, they quit. You know, like everything in this world, when things get hard, people quit. You don't see one thing you don't see a lot of. You see all these guys on Instagram and stuff. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. My phone. Piece of shit here. Hang on one second. Sorry. All right. That worked. All right. So, but one thing you, you don't see a lot of you see these guys like on Instagram and they'll have like these giant numbers. Then you never hear about them. You never hear about a competition where they you know, broke a record. They just kind of disappear. And honestly, I think it's what you're just saying. It gets harder. But then you also have other stuff going on in your life, like like college or marriage or a job or whatever. Stuff becomes more important than policy, and that's when it falls to shit. It's when it goes to shit. Yeah. And with that, because especially when we're talking at the at, at the very top, and you've said there about yep. you know technique is going to be key, and everyone you know at the at the top level mm-hmm. is going to have really really good technique. To then be well, hang on one second. <laughs> there's there's a little there's a little there's a little caveat there. Okay. The guys at the top are not necessarily going to have great technique. They're right. going to have great genetics, you know. So myself, if you look at myself, my record is pretty much always winning you know, seven world records, my technique was fucking terrible. <laughs> I was just really strong. So it's not always going to be that way. In fact, with the top guys, you'll see little stuff like that looks weird. And like when I post Jojo, my, my lifter Jojo is squat 950. He's my best lifter right now. When I post videos, I'm like, well, did you see this? Did you see that? Yes. And it's okay because it's him. If somebody else was doing that, I would lose my mind. But for him, it's okay. He, he has his genetics. He can do that, you know? And I was the same way. I did a lot of weird shit that nobody else could do or nobody else did. Louis basically said I was front squatting 1,050, you know, with the way I was squat because I wouldn't have any back tightness. I would have it up my back and have my elbows like this while I was squatting. I would put my hands against the plates. They allowed that for a few years. So my hands were actually touching the plates, which your upper back can't stay tight that way. So he was like, I have no idea how you do it, but it's working. So let's just keep doing it. So for a lot of guys at the top, it's going to be bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no. With, with that, do you think then that, you know, did you try and correct that or did you just take it for what it was when you started working with, with that lifter? I, so it's usually pretty small stuff. So, you know, it's just, I'm not saying like you can do something incredibly, incredibly bad over and over again. But for small stuff with, with guys that are squatting that, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it, honestly. As long as that's something that's injurious, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. Yeah. Yeah. You see that. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, you don't see that in a lot of lifters, too. Just little stuff they do that's. People lose their mind about, but on at the end of the day, it's not that important. You know, one of the things that I do that, that's not great, and I have to credit my team on though, is lifting my head up on a bench. And this, for me, it's a habit for left over from multiply lifting. When you're touching an adventure, you know, lift your head up and let it touch, then slam your head back down. So for me, after leaving gear, I couldn't get rid of it. I tried, it just wouldn't go away. And so, you know, it, it can be really injurious in your EC joints. It can blow off your EC joints that way pretty easily. I've been doing it for 25, doing it for 25 years at this point, never had an injury. So I kept going with it. It, it. it does not seem to cause any problems. So like stuff like that. But if one of my listeners was doing it, I'd say no. I would I'd tell them not to do that. Yeah. And with, and with that, so 
because you know you do see sometimes um you know like like what you said how how is he able to deadlift or bench or squat you know like that with, with, with that technique there's some you know in terms of in terms of technique which is, which is really efficient but how yeah. from going from um other people who you know are, are at the top to then you know walk out as as the winner as as the champion of that if you like what's what's the what's the difference in terms of mindset in terms of pushing the weights a little bit um if that if that kind of make, makes sense what was kind of your approach my my approach again was just to win the day everyone so back back 20 years ago at the big contest every good lifter would be there so louis made sure the top four guys four or five guys top four or five guys every weight class were in at the meet. So if you couldn't pay for it, he'd fly out. So there's no excuses. There's no reason you couldn't be there. So everybody I needed to beat was in that room. So my focus and the only two concepts I would do were those two comps in Ohio, the uh, the um the uh, pro am. So I would just try to beat everybody that day. Same thing I would try to do when I was competing in Maine, you know, as a kid. Just try to beat everybody for that day. Walk out with that best lift reward. And if I keep doing that over and over again, guess what? I'm a champion. If I keep doing that over and over again, I beat the world champion. Now I'm the world champion. So that was my that was my thought process on it. It was, it was really that simple. You know, same way I thought about wrestling. As long as I win today, I'm happy. I'm not going to make any goals beyond today. I just want to win today. You know, I, I totally, like, I always tell people, if I had, if, if I had ever made a goal to total 2,600 pounds, that would never have happened. That, that was so far out of my realm of thought. The world record was 2,482 or 2,482 or 83. So a 2,600 pound total seemed absolutely astronomical. It didn't seem like it was even plausible. It never entered my brain, but I ended up totally 2630 and 26705 to add it with those numbers. So for me, it was just winning the day, what number I needed to win the day. And so the, that number, as it kept going up, my competitors' numbers kept going up, my numbers kept going up, and there you go. I became world champion. Yeah. It was really that, that simple. I know it's not. <laughs> no, no, because with that, because obviously, you know, in terms of on the day, put, putting your attempts in, was it just a case mm-hmm. of it was that mindset of, I'm going to. I'm just gonna lift. I'm I'm just gonna lift this. I'm gonna put that attempt. I in. honestly, when I lift weights, honestly, I feel like that I cannot be. I cannot lose. I feel like I I I, I get this something that comes over my brain, especially at contests where I, I'm in the mode, man. I I, I am just 100 percent sure I'm gonna win. You know, it's that it's that simple. It kind of sounds stupid. I actually talked about it in an article I did for some magazine like like 15 years ago. But I said, really, the difference between me and everybody else is that I want to win more. It's that simple. I just want to beat you. I want to win more. And that's, that's it. You know, I will do anything to win. I will tear every muscle in my fucking body to win a contest. <laughs> I'll die in the contest. And that's kind of what separated me from everybody else. <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> do, you, do you think, because obviously you've mentioned there, like the other sports that you've, that you've done as well, you know, wrestling, football. <laughs> There's quite a lot of lifters that now are kind of gravitating from playing other sports and gravitating towards... Yep you know, powerlifting and strength sports. Yeah. Do you think mm-hmm. that that kind of mindset to win comes from your background in other sports? Or do you think yeah. that sometimes you just get that, you just have that genetic mindset? So, uh, that's a good question. I, I've, I've been over this a thousand times in my head. I'm not sure because I can only speak on myself, but I never felt I never felt this compulsion to win in other sports. Not as much. I mean, I obviously I want to win in football and in wrestling and stuff like that too. But it wasn't the same. For some reason, powerlifting felt like it was mine. Like, this was my thing. You know what I mean? So, for me, it was important that I won because, again, I felt like this, I, just, I feel a very deep connection with the sport for whatever reason. I always have. You know, second, I almost like, I always tell people, when I, first time I read about West Side Barbell, it was almost like a supernatural effect. I had this weird, like, heart racing thing. It got really hot. It was, it was weird. 
and, and something was telling me I need to be there. You need to be there. You need to go there. You need to go there. And so for me, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just that simple. It's just always that simple. The answers are always simple. You know? <laughs> That's it. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the answer, the right answer is usually is usually going to involve the most struggle. That's how it goes, and that's the hard part too. Is that in order to keep getting better at this, you got to keep struggling over and over and over again. You know, starting over. You know, evolving as a person, as a lifter, and that's an ending. And that's that's the hard part. I mean, after after you know thirty years of it, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm just going to stay right here for as long as I can. I'm happy. And I, you know, I saw powerlifting. I've done a contest now in what, six, seven years. Yeah. And with and with that, how do you feel? You know, having not competed for you know the last five six years, from your experiences and kind of you know for the for the love of the sport, if you like, how do you feel kind of giving back to the to the lifters that you're that you're working with? Oh, do you kind of yeah? Do you kind of have still that same passion as what you were from from, from competing? More, right. more, more. So honestly, man, it's uh, you know now now I have a thousand people to uh, you know to uh, to push. Instead of just myself, it's pretty amazing, honestly. And I get, and the reason I coach, I didn't really get to it. The reason I coach, the reason I'm good at coaching, I love coaching, is because I, I can apply the same mindset and the same, you know, need to win to my own lifters to get the same, well, almost the same feeling out of it. You know, like when JoJo squatted 950 out in Texas a few months ago, like I, I hadn't felt that in a few years. Like my heart was in my throat. Like it was like, uh, so, so exciting. So, I mean, yeah. Watch it and live, you know, vicariously to them, you know, and nostalgia and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, nice. And with that, because obviously, when you when you first mentioned about getting involved in coaching, you know, um, unsure it, it wasn't going well. You know, went and did some <laughs> seminars, you know, yeah. and learn learn from other from other coaches. If you could go back and tell the Greg just starting out, what kind of advice <laughs> would you give? Would you give him? For me personally. Do exactly what you fucking did. <laughs> Do it exactly the way you did it. You know, I, I did it right. You know what I mean? I'm, I, there's nothing I wish I did differently. I did it right. I did it. I, it was like a movie. You know what I mean? I was the best lifter in Maine. Moved to Ohio. Became the best lifter in the world. You know, it was a. Uh, it worked out exactly as I as I hoped it would, or exactly as I wanted to, or would want it to. You know, it was it was perfect. It was really a perfect story. It was amazing. So, you know, really nothing. I wouldn't tell myself anything. You know, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I mean, right. <laughs> well, well, with that, because obviously, when you mentioned there, you know, a feeling a need to go to to West Side, and obviously the results speak for itself. What I, what I wanted to kind of touch on there is, you know, you see a lot of um, people lifting in gyms become the strongest in the gym, but then mm-hmm. the training will drop off. And I'm a big believer in, you mm-hmm. know, surround yourself with like minded people, mm-hmm. and you know, if you're the cleverest in the room, the strongest in the room, go find a different room and, and push yourself. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. is that kind of your mentality? Is that advice what you would give to other lifters? You know, go and give it a go because your kind 100%. of it's kind of paid off. Yep, hundred percent. This is exactly the advice I would give. Get around better lifters. You know that 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 mindset to be the best has to has to be something you something you're thinking about. You have to want to be the best in every room you're in. So go find the best lecturer in your, in your state. You know, go train with him. Even if, like before I moved to before I moved to Ohio, 
I would drive an hour and a half at seven o'clock at night after I had work. I would drive an hour and a half out to Lowell Mass to train with these guys because they were the best lifters in the area. They're the guys that knew the most. And so I figured I'd get the most out of that. So I'd drive an hour and a half in traffic to Lowell Mass every night, then drive home. I wouldn't get home till 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and then do the same thing again, you know, four or five days a week. And so that has to be the way that you think if you want to be good at this, you know, there's no, there's no side roads. There's no easy answers. It's just time and being around people, learning from people who are better than you. And that's, that's the whole thing. And with that, obviously when you, when you've gone to, you know, other, other gyms and, and train with the best, mm-hmm. when there's that competition there, but equally the, but everyone's pushing each other, but equally mm-hmm. everyone wants to see Definitely. everyone, everyone do well. Cause I think sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've, you've had this or people mentioned it to you, that fear of, Oh no, you know, what if they, they don't accept me or don't go from there. Whereas <laughs> actually if you go there, it's a case of, you know, if you put the, put the work in, get involved yes. in, in that culture, you're going to, you're going to, and be able to develop is that kind of your thinking 100 yeah you know it's called the power of expectation if you're around people who are better than you are you'll get better there's no way around it and so it's something we see too in policy on a, on a bigger thing is that those one percent guys down at the top are always going to get better they're not going to stop getting better and every sport is that way you know so people i had a guy that they give me shicks I, I don't no longer have the world record and i'm like what do you think is going to happen like it's been 15 years like somebody's gonna break it at some point that's the evolution doesn't happen the sport stops like you don't want that no i don't want that to happen yes i'm happy somebody broke a world record the same way this will continue so people are always going to keep getting better at least at the top so what we have to do to to maintain this what i have to do to maintain a team is kind of stay away from watching the guys at the top and watch the guys in the middle that's who we get all our data from the guys in the middle are going to show me what's working what's not working the guys at the top aren't and the guys at the bottom aren't it's those middle range guys and that's who you really have to look look to to make, you know, when you're running on programming is what's going to work for them. Because if that works for them, it's going to work for everybody. Yeah. And with, and with that, because on the on the flip side of that, you know, we've spoken about it from a lifter's point of view, but now from a, a coach's point of view, you know, do you have coaches now or or people now who you bounce ideas off or, you know, to try no, yeah. and keep keep developing that? Who, who's kind oh, of yeah. your... I have, I think, five five or so coaches that kind of work for me. And so for any change I make, I talk. we all talk together. I talk to them about it first. You know, even if it's like, my thing, my, the thing that's difficult for me isn't programming. The thing that's difficult for me is like talking to people. It's like, yes. you know, putting up messages to people, my team and stuff and not, not acting like a complete asshole because I apparently don't know how to do that. So, um, you know, every every everything I do is basically bounced off. My best friend, I have a best friend up here named Mark Wood. And Mark's the uh, fire captain the next time over. And what's cool about Mark is me and Mark were best friends in college. I met Mark at a party, and he had no shirt on, drinking a bottle of fucking vodka in the back. He was, he was shredded, 245 pounds, six-pack, huge packs, arms, you know, 19-inch arms. And so I go up to him, like, dude, where do you lift weights at? He goes, I don't lift weights. I'm like, come on, man, stop messing with me. Where do you lift at? He goes, I don't lift weights. And I'm like, how do you look like that in all weights? He's like, I always kind of look this way. And so for the next four years of college, five years of college, I would try like hell to get him with weights. He would not go to the gym. I had absolutely zero interest. So when he turned 40, he hit me up and he's like, hey, man, I want to start doing this. You know, my kids are grown now. My kids can do their own thing. You know, work's kind of boring. I, I need something to do. I mean, I built a gym in my basement. I think everything you talked about as far as what you for a gym. He's like, would you mind if I met you for lunch tomorrow? We talked about it. So he came down, decided he wanted to do it. Within a year, this dude is benching 525, squatting oh. 800 pounds. It was insane. No drugs, 100% natural. Yeah. Didn't even die. Didn't even eat well. 
But that's <laughs> that's the kind of guy who's gonna fly at the top. They didn't really do anything different. And in fact, probably did less work. They're just good at it genetically. So he got his body weight up from like 260 to like 310, 315. He you know, stayed relatively lean and still putting out, you know, putting up massive numbers. So I was like, he's on fucking steroids. I mean, he doesn't take steroids. It's not that important for him. He's basically joining a bowling league because it's something for him to do while he's, you know, while he's at home, you know, it's nothing to do. Like, it's, it's not, this for him is not a, not a life goal. It's just something funny he's doing, you know? Yeah. So it's a lot of guys at the top are like that. Like, the guy I'm coaching now who is, a, you know, who are going for a 2,500 pound total as next meet, he has, no concept of what's going on at all. He's never done a peak. He has no idea what any of his words are throwing at him mean. He's never looked into it. And that's what you're going to find at the top is guys like that that are just freaks. Yeah. I think with that, though, the, the biggest thing I'll take from that is they're enjoying what they're doing. And I suppose yeah, so- that's what makes you like when you yeah. mentioned there, you know, setting off at, at half seven to go train to the gym and not getting back home to yeah. 11, excuse yeah. me, 11 30. You wouldn't yeah. do that if you didn't enjoy it if you weren't ah, having, if you weren't having fun <laughs> love it i love it when i was in high school so i would do this one in high school i'd find like i would try to go to different gyms in high school my dad would actually take me to them my dad liked it too that was a lecture as well so he would take me to different gyms and so all the kids in my school were like why do you go to stupid gyms man it's so stupid it's so boring blah blah, blah. then they go to the gym these guys teach me how to like straight the serial numbers off a gun you know or sell a car or something like that so it was the best time ever it was one of the best people i ever met so that's, that's what kept me going was that. It was the guys around me, you know what I mean? Like, then I went to Westside. It was the best thing ever because those guys were my heroes. And they're as cool as I thought they were going to be. So it's, it's like, for, for a lot of us, and you got you guys at the top, it's because you have guys around you that are like-minded. And that's why you keep going. I see a lot of people training alone now. And I, 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 I would never do that if I didn't have to do that. If it wasn't absolutely I had to, I would never train alone. Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm I'm kind of glad you, you you touched on that. So I went through a phase where um, a couple of guys that I, I, I worked with actually trained with as well. And that was probably the best training. Oh, yeah, I, wasn't, absolutely. I, was, I probably wouldn't say I was my I was my strongest in terms of it, yep. competition, but yep. I felt as I was looking for looking forward to sessions and then right. a little bit like fun, yeah. Yeah, and a little bit like what you mentioned, you know, things get in the way, you know, they have kids, they, they move mm. away. And sometimes yeah. it's it's hard it's hard to find that back. So that's why that's yeah. why I wanted to touch on you know going to a different gym and training you know mm-hmm. around you know like minded people, which right. um, right. you know, can only push you push you to be better. So yeah, I completely completely agree with that. Yep. Um, absolutely. That's all you good. I went to every gym I could find. I went to every gym I could find until I found somebody stronger than me. Then I would attach myself to him, ask him as many questions as I could until he's sick of me. Then I would go to the gym. Did it for years. I would go to GNCs and go and ask questions about food and stuff like that. There was a bodybuilder. I worked, when I was a little kid, 13, 14, 15 years old, and my mother worked at the gym. And so her gym was right next door to GNC. So I'd go work at her gym. Then I would go spend like three hours at the GNC next door and just bugging the hell on this guy who was a competitive bodybuilder. So I would sit there with a notebook and ask him questions and write down what he was eating and stuff like that. <laughs> so you, you can't be afraid to ask people questions. For the most part, people don't mind answering the questions. People want to answer the questions. You know what I mean? I get excited when somebody asks me a question. You know what I mean? So it's so will they. No one's going to be mad at you asking a question. Yeah, definitely. What, what's that? What's that phrase of the only the only stupid question is the one that didn't ask? You know, and you, if, you, if, you, if you ask it, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna find out because that's the biggest thing. You know, you said there. You know, you've got some really great memories of the gyms that you've been to. You know, from West Side yes. as well. You know, I think in terms of um, uh, strength, like people are actually willing to to ask. You know, a little bit like you know, I kind of reached out to you to jump on the podcast and, you know, I was, I was pretty happy when you said, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, good, it's good, good to be able to, you know, chat to, you know, people such as, such as yourself and, and get kind of answers to that. Um, 
we've covered quite a lot of topics there, a couple of couple of tangents yeah. thrown in as well. Um, but from everything <laughs> that we've chatted about there, for everyone listening, you know, the the lifters or the coaches out there, what would be your take-home points or words of wisdom from what we've chatted about today? The take-home points. Well, number one, it's gonna take a long time. Number two, get on a program that has some sense to it. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to make sense. It has to be rules. Uh number three, again, it's gonna take a long time. Number four, god damn it's phone. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh what else? What else is important? Try to take try to train your team setting. Um what else? What else we talk about? Uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that uh, so, uh, so from there. I think I think the biggest thing from what what we've said about is you know the the environment and and enjoying it. Yeah. Everything that you've re- referred back to as yeah, being get you know, around people that yeah, that's the trickiest to get around people who know more and who are better than you and train with them for a long time and eventually you'll be at that level, you know, or at least at least closer to that level than you were before. I promise. It's the best thing you possibly do. Get around people who are better than you are. Yeah, definitely. So so with that. Um, for everyone listening um, and for everything that we've spoken about today, um, if anyone has any questions about what we've spoken about today, I want to reach out, see the content that you put out there or reach out to you and train with you. Where could people find you or reach out to uh, you? The best way is probably Instagram. Uh, my name is Big Poppy Panora. Um, you can do a free week trial on my team. It's right in the uh, right in the, the bio thing there. Just click on the free link or the link there and you can do a free week. Um, yeah, you know, get a hold of me, please. I have a great team, I have an amazing and amazing community. Uh, you know, please come join us. Love to have you. Nice, awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Greg, for taking the time. Thank to you, bro. Um, really enjoy chatting with you today. Um, too, thanks thank a lot to everyone so- listening, and I will see you all next week.